0: This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. Hi, I'm Judith. And I'm Melina. We are internet friends turned real life friends who both experienced the tragic loss of our sons to sudden infant death syndrome in winter of 2021.
1: In the year after Aiden died, my husband and I both became unemployed. My parents divorced, and we had to move five times for various reasons.
0: And as for me, just a few weeks before my son Quinn died, my then husband had come out to me as a transgender woman, and we're subsequently divorcing. It's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as long as we're living, we will love our sons deeply and work to make sure that we live a life that makes them proud. Welcome to As Long as I'm Living podcast. We're so glad you're here. And this has been hi guys hi, hi. We did it. um i'm so happy to see you rachel it's so wonderful to see, see you. you when i originally asked you to be on the podcast you were so wonderful and gracious and then it and said yes and then it took us like three months to actually schedule it so i appreciate your flexibility i'll just remind you again with like what we're looking to capture from these <clears> meetings <throat> is that um after loss friendships change in a lot of different ways. And I think also as the friend, your experience was completely different than my experience being on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people who've experienced traumatic loss like this um, have like people that used to be in their life every day disappear. People that were not really in their life every day are now there every day. Like everything is different after, but it's hard to put on word. It's hard to describe exactly what changed. You just mm-hmm. know something changed, but you don't know what. Alina, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, we just want to share both perspectives, like from my perspective and from your perspective, mm-hmm. like what our relationship was like before the loss, what the days and like the immediate weeks after the loss was like from your perspective and from our friendship's point, and where we are now in our friendship. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we'll kind of do like a Timeline. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start by explaining to Lena like what our friendship was like um, before the loss?
0: Yeah, and tell me a little bit about yourself too, like just a little bit. It doesn't have to go crazy, but sure. I just want to know who you are. Yeah. I think our listeners would. Too.
1: Um. So I
2: am uh, a mother of four, and um, the ages are five and under, so they're pretty young. <laughs> um, and I'm a teacher, but right now I'm just with the kids at home, with the baby right now. But during Corona, I was with the three boys, and now I have a girl. Um, So Judith and I were very close when she lived here. We actually knew each other from college. And then when she moved here, we became super close while she lived here. One of my closest buddies. And um, we did everything together from... Random workout classes to just walks in Forest Park or parties and um, lots of volunteer work together (laughs) because Judith is a doer and I like doers.
1: (laughs) you used to say that I'm a bulldozer.
2: You are a bulldozer. Oh my God, you are. the way I describe Judith. She's a feminist bulldozer.
0: I I refer to her as a force of nature, which I think has a slightly better connotation, but I think <laughs> it has the
2: same meaning. <laughs> I and I, I like to associate myself with, with people that are open to progress and change and are willing to sometimes go against the norms to try to create good for the society. And Judith is one of those people. So while she was living here, I feel like a lot of our life ended up... Sp- being connected somehow to those types of topics like um just how are we going to improve the community and how are we going to make everyone's lives better
1: (laughs) and like one of the things that Rachel and I did is that um we started like a women's group that met monthly and every month a different woman would present on like an interest a topic that was interesting to her and I think it was just I think so many of the women in St. Louis where I lived there Um, some of them were doing the work that they did when they graduated college some were not working at all some of them were like like everyone kind of had diverse it wasn't like everyone was doing exactly what they were interested in all day some of them were doing different things and so it's just a way for people to learn something new and to see a different side from women that we saw every day we saw a different side of them when they were talking and presenting and like um, really getting excited about the things that they were passionate about. So we learned about organic foods and about like positive psychology. And I spoke about voting and Julia spoke about um, like the weight bias, like people who are overweight and the biases that they see. Like we just learned, I think that we like learned a lot of things. I feel like I learned a lot. And that was actually one of the coolest things that I feel I've done. Cause I just feel like I got to know people. I made new friends. So I just, I like mm-hmm. I and it went learning. on
2: for two years. It went on, it went on until you left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I
1: loved, but still, it was like fun, and it was a fun way to get people together.
2: Yeah, like, it was yeah. amazing. It was a way for everyone, for the women, to get together, be inspired, and leave having learned something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it did continue through Corona, which was really special. Yeah,
1: we learned. A, I feel like we learned a lot about we each other as people too. Loved so it. Th- like th- that's like and and also something to say is that Rachel had kids when I lived in St. Louis but I didn't have kids and so I definitely felt like for a long time um like Rachel was the closest mom friend that I had she like just seemed to like know a lot of mom things like she just like knew things like I'll never Sometimes I one knew time, too much one <laughs> t- I'll never forget things. one time
2: You probably didn't was, want like, to hear some of these mom She moms. Like, hired
1: like a babysitter and um the babysitter was doing a diaper change and she was like the babysitter didn't like asked, said something like the poop is yellow. What happened to this baby? The poop is yellow. And was like, like, like all babies poops are yellow in the beginning. Like, how do you not know that? And I remember just thinking like, I didn't know that. Who knows that? <laughs> like, who knows that? I did not know that at all. <laughs> but like Rachel, like I think that Rachel's um, like one of her greatest strengths is that she's like the most incredible mom. She also mm-hmm. was a mom to a lot of kids and she like thoroughly enjoyed it and did it well. So when I told her that I was pregnant, like, you were the most excited for me. Oh, like, you were, like, I remember you cried. You were so happy. You were, like, crying. It felt like this is something that you felt was your true calling. And, like, you were excited for me to join you in, like, this new stage and phase of our lives. So, um, yeah. So then, so that's what our friendship was like. mm
2: mm-hmm.
1: Liliana, did I capture it? Did we capture it? Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay, Rachel, so let's talk about, then I had Aiden,
2: mm-hmm. and I had already
1: moved away at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you feel our relationship looked like, even though I had moved away, mm-hmm. but when I had Aiden, like, do you remember anything about that time?
2: Yeah. Um, I still felt very close to you. I felt like you were going to be one of those friends that even though you were physically not in the same area we were still going to remain very close and I still did your meal train when Aiden was born Um, and I just still felt very close to like I was still sharing things that were happening in town with you even though you weren't physically here and I was so excited obviously when Aiden
1: was born and I remember you asked me about breastfeeding and I was like, it's not really going well. And Rachel's like a queen breastfeeder. She knows like all the things. She's like you, Alina. Like, I knew that she, because she... of the yellow poops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alina like knows all the breastfeeding tricks that you know. And um, But when I told her, I was like, it is not working. Like, I do not want to do this anymore. You were like really cool about it. You're like, okay. Like, it's just <laughs> That is um, best. That but is you best. but you did offer to help and i was like i'm not interested i don't want <laughs> <laughs> you're like it's not for me <laughs> it's not for me you were so nice about it <laughs> I was like, everyone has to, what's for them everyone has to do it for them okay so how okay so let's go to the like when Aiden did die so how did you find out because um because i did not call and tell you i didn't text you either so how did you find out about it
2: Hmm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to uh, hold back my tears even though I feel them coming already. <laughs> um, <sighs> I remember exactly where I was. I was nursing my two-year-old. At the time, he was um, probably a year or so. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly how old he was at the time. But I was nursing him to sleep. And I, um, a mutual friend of ours had contacted me, and she, she asked if I had spoken to you and i think maybe another person texted me too asking if i had spoken to you and i just felt like oh my goodness what happened i actually thought initially that something may have happened to you um and so then i got a call and i i picked up and i um and i was just putting the baby my baby to to bed for the night and i and i got the news And I left the other room, and I was just in shock. And I just, I couldn't even process. I couldn't even understand. It just didn't make sense, you know? Mm -hmm. And my husband is in the process of putting our other two kids to bed at the time. So it was, I just, I was just, you know, in shock. Mm -hmm.
1: And what, what, um... So what do you do next? Um
2: I think I just tried to keep calling you. <laughs> I probably just <laughs> flooded your phone with I probably I don't know how many times I called, but
1: but I know I didn't answer.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you did not answer, but I just I don't I I don't know. I'm not sure what I was thinking. I was probably thinking I need to be there for you, so I just called. Yeah. You know?
0: I, and I know I can I can imagine there's also some sense of like oh it must be a mistake like let me just call Judith and clear this up cuz this can't be real right like this can't yeah. be true
2: like what's what's going on you know why are people calling me telling me this information this this can't be happening mm-hmm. so when you weren't picking up your phone I called Julia and, and she
0: listeners, we also have an interview enjoyed. with Julia. Yeah, I think hers will co- probably come out first. I'm not quite sure. But either you have already heard from her or you will hear from her.
2: So I called her and she confirmed the news. And I think we just remained on the phone not talking and in shock. Just confused. And trying to figure out what we were supposed to do as your close friends, like what the next step was and how we could support you. Um, And then and I, I know
1: Julia had shared that she was going to cut. She was going to fly out.
2: Yeah. And I, um, and I was, absolutely going to come too. And I, um, I was still nursing at the time. So it was, um, lots of, you know, odd logistics were running through my head of how do I keep the baby here while I'm nursing? And how do I maintain my milk supply? Like just random things that I, that were just taking up my brain space. And I just didn't know I just, I just was, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to move forward. I didn't know. Um, And I was just trying to figure out piece by piece how to just take a step forward and how to support you and how to be there for you. But at the same time, I I don't blame you at all, but you weren't, you weren't responding to me. You weren't talking to me at all. Mm -hmm. So, and this has never happened to me before. Like, I've never had a, f- a very close friend who has lost someone like this. And I just, I had no idea what to do.
1: And I can imagine it was hard because I I know I wasn't answering your calls and your texts, but I was talking to a few of my friends. Like, I was talking yeah. to Miriam. I was talking to Uva, And I had spoken to Julia earlier in that day. So I wonder, like, what were you thinking, being someone who, like, desperately wanted to be in touch, but I wasn't responding
2: um it hurt a lot and I didn't know I didn't understand why I didn't know if that meant that you felt less close to me Mm -hmm. um and I I didn't know if I should continue to almost pester you like I didn't know if you wanted to know that I cared and that I was there or if you just genuinely didn't want to hear from me So I, I just, I wasn't certain. So I think I would try to go one way and then I'd try to go the other way. And then I bought the plane ticket to come out. Um, and actually Julia and I were going to fly. She was going to fly from Boston and I was going to fly from St. Louis, but we were going to arrive at the airport at the same time and try to be there together for you. And I bought my ticket. I had everything packed. I, um, figured out babysitting situations and everything for my kids and logistics and then a few hours before the flight left I got a text that I should not come out so but Julia got the news that she should come out so that's looking back that's completely fine I I I'm so glad that someone was able to tell me not to come if, if you weren't ready for me to come yet but or and at the time i I was really hurt from that just because I was trying to be there for you and I didn't understand or I couldn't comprehend why my friendship was not the same as another person's friendship that you were letting in like i I didn't understand why you weren't letting me in to your space to your safe space like I because it was too much for you to be around me and I didn't know if it was because you were worried that I'd say something wrong and then and then it just turned into I didn't I didn't know I I felt like I was walking on eggshells like I was so scared to say the wrong thing yeah for a long time
1: I um I don't want to get there quite yet because i I feel like we're missing like a crucial step but I want to say something to what you just said which is like I think that there's a really delicate balance that happens because I I can tell you what I was thinking but before I do that I just want to say like how I think this is so common right Alina like yeah so where I really hurt not intentionally, like I was doing just the best I could in that moment. And I'll explain what my thought process was. But as I've kind of had these conversations with friends after, and even just being a year and a half out, I'm able to see much more clearly other people's perspectives. I know that even with my best intentions, just trying to survive, I hurt so many people and I hurt them deeply. And I'm really, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know how to, I don't know, there's not, there's nothing to really apologize for because Mm -hmm. I, all I could do was survive, but I'm sorry that you were in so much pain and I can imagine how much it hurt. And I know that it would have hurt me a lot and I would have been offended and I would have been like, I'm just trying to help you and you're hurting me. And I, I can now see from more perspectives that, um, that pain and that, like, Aiden's loss, I think, caused a lot of people a lot of pain in a lot of different ways. But I don't want to invalidate, like, the pain and the loss and the sadness that you went through just because yeah. I had, you know, my own trauma. Like, I was, you know, that doesn't mean that you weren't feeling it. Yeah. So I I want to say, like, I'm really sorry that you were really hurt in this process. And I think that this this example, what you're talking about with the plane, was I know the first of many things that happen. Like, I know that afterwards you and we'll get there in a second. You did so much coordinating. Like so much. You got me, you coordinated with all of my friends from across the country or even across the world. So like, you know, buy this beautiful necklace and you raised money for me to get an Airbnb gift card. And I know that you contacted Airbnb and asked them to give me like a separate gift card. And like I know that you did not stop working and did not stop thinking about Aiden for a long time a long time and I know we'll get there, but I think, uh, what I imagine is going to come up in these next few minutes of conversation is that you continuously were doing the absolute best that you could. And you were trying in the way that you knew best how, and I continuously shut you out. And I continuously, um, I think I continuously hurt you inadvertently in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People grieving people are assholes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like they kind yeah. of are. Well, they're, they're self-centered. Like self-centered. Yes. Selfish. Yes. And um, yeah, they're they're selfish. And I think, like I said, I can be doing all the right things for me with, and still hurt people a lot. Yeah. And I'll say with Rachel, um, that decision to say you know don't come. I also told like a few people not to come. I told quite a few people. There were some people who were already in the air. Um, but I did tell some people not to come. And, um, I think when I think about you, Rachel, all I think about is motherhood. Mm -hmm. I think it defines who you are as a person. I also knew that you wanted more kids and that you were in the process of trying or getting ready to try. And at that time, that was something that was really sensitive to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I also know That you have three boys, some of whom share the same name as Aiden in his Mm -hmm. middle name. And and his first name, too. Um, And that was something that was really painful for me. And I felt like in that moment, I didn't think that you would say the wrong thing inadvertently. In that moment, that's not what I was thinking. I just remember thinking, like, it was so painful to see you being an alive mother. That it was, I just, it was a stab in the heart. Not only did you have one alive child, but you had three. Mm -hmm. You didn't have one boy. You had three. And I know you wanted more. And I knew that you were going to have as many as you wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just felt like a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. Nothing that you did personally, just the circumstances of your life. Circumstances of your life felt like a slap in the face to mine. And I think that's why ultimately I like really shut you out. It's because it really hurt to see everything that you had, and I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I know that everyone has that everyone has their own problems. I don't, you know, I'm not saying I don't think you have any problems. I know you have. Everyone has problems. Mm-hmm, right. But it felt like, it just felt so personal. The other person that I actually froze out at that time was my sister. I didn't talk to my sister. I didn't look at my sister. I mean, she was there, but I was not. I, I, I well, Maybe one day we'll get to talk to her. I'm like, I did not look at her. and She was in my house for like five days and I didn't even look at her once um, because it felt the same way. It felt mm-hmm. like she had so much and she was pregnant and she had two alive other children and like it just felt to me personal when I know it wasn't. So I think that's why in that moment i had said like i just i didn't know how to interact at that moment but i do remember a few days later it must have been sunday so it didn't die on thursday cuz i remember where i was it didn't die on thursday and i called you on sunday must have been and i remember you answered the phone and you were so emotional and i could hear your kids in the background i remember and I remember it being like I remember like wanting to vomit because I was driving, but I remember saying to you, Rachel. I know you're thinking about me. I know you care so much. I know. I just can't right now, but I know, and that's what I I remember that conversation. That was like the first time we spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know at this time that you were like I said doing things in the back end. Like you, there was like a whole WhatsApp group that had been created because I didn't want um a meal train, but everyone wanted to make one. And so I know Rachel had sent food and I know she had been coordinating with a bunch of other people to do, like I said, like a bunch of other things. So I, even though I continuously froze you out, you somehow continued to give. So do you want to talk about that? And first of all, do you remember that conversation? that we
2: had? Yeah, I do remember that conversation. And I remember I, <clears throat> it was like a few days of, I was, I mean, my husband, Zach and I, obviously we, this was like Everything we were thinking about the whole weekend. And and then when I did get that call from you, I was like, oh my gosh, Zach, Judith is calling me. So I I just I tried to escape the kids, even though they were all home. And I was running down to the basement and I closed the door behind me. So you may have heard me like in the transaction. I didn't want to miss your call. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember I picked up and and you said, Rachel, don't don't say anything. And I and I I, and I first just listened and then I, I just, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. I, I just was in this point that I, I just wanted to give you everything and I didn't know what you wanted from me. I wasn't sure, which is very valid. I mean, you didn't probably know what exactly you wanted or needed. But, uh, and I was in, in the same situation on the opposite end. I just, I wasn't sure what to do. I was just stuck. And I just figured I'll try the best that I can. And I'll try whatever things that surround you that I could do to, to help whatever ways. Um, and then whenever you feel How do you, you ever feel feeling
1: after that conversation? Like, did you feel it was hurtful or did you feel like you were glad I called? And did you feel like, like, what did you feel hanging up after that phone call?
2: I think I was just glad that you were able to talk to me. Yeah. I think I was just trying to figure out what to do next.
1: And then, like, tell me how that whole, like, WhatsApp group, like, what what was going on over there? Because I feel like you were the queen of it, and I don't even know what was going on.
2: <laughs> Everyone was just trying to figure out how to help, and... um. Whether it was to um, mention, to learn in Eden's memory or to raise money for Sid's awareness or to send food, everyone was just trying to figure out the best way. And everyone was being very supportive in the group itself. I mean, because everyone was also, everyone that was in that group was very close to you, too.
1: But it was all from different, like, people, like, different stages and ages. Completely different. Like, I don't think you guys knew each other.
2: No, we didn't. But actually, I ended up befriending some of your friends, like, your friend Miriam. Yeah. She and I ended up talking a lot afterwards. Um, just – we would just try to bounce off each other with ideas of how to help or whatever it was. Um. It was I very had... helpful. It was very helpful to have the WhatsApp group because it was just almost some, some sort of way of getting answers. Well,
0: and also, and it's I think almost like direction. It's also yeah. like almost like a support group for everyone who, because you were right. also grieving a loss, right? You're mm-hmm. grieving the loss of this baby who most of you never got to meet, and grieving the loss of Judith, who's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. And I know something that my friends and my family were feeling at the time right after Quinn died is like, is Alina ever going to come back? And I think like in a way it probably felt nice to have this group of people who were kind of all feeling the same thing, which is like we miss Judith. And also how do we miss this baby so much? Because we never even met him. Right. And that's so sad too.
1: And also, I mean, one thing I'll say is that even though you guys never met him, you went to his bris. Like mm-hmm. there were, the, they showed up. Like yeah. you went to his bris, and um, I know that, I know you went to his funeral. Um, I was gonna say, also, I mean, you were one of the people who was closest to me in St. Louis, and I can imagine there was, you know, I I was gone, but I certainly had a lot of friends there. I mean, did you feel people were looking to you for information, and you didn't completely, have
2: completely. I was getting phone calls, texts, everyone and different ages too. It wasn't even it wasn't just people, our ages, it was people across the board. And people were asking me how they could help. So a lot of people ended up contributing to the SIDS organization um, and, and to the food or wh- however they could help. They wanted to just they wanted to know also whether or not they should be contacting you. And, but I didn't necessarily know the answers either. I didn't, I didn't know if you wanted people to contact you. Some days, yes. Some days, no. I was getting a lot of um, feedback also from Julia because she was almost like our, like the person connecting you and me. Julia was in between because you were talking with her and you weren't talking with me. So if you let her know that, you know, you needed something, then she was able to convey that to me so that I could try to
1: and was that helpful or was that
2: hurtful? And that was way? very helpful because I was getting almost nothing. Like I, I just had no idea. And people were asking me, how are you? Do-? I mean, obviously you're not doing well, but, but it, you know, what's what can we do? Is there anything that, the Ju- that Judith wants? And I just, I had no idea what to tell people because I just, I was not communicating with you. Yeah. And what I, I ahead, And yeah. I kept trying yeah. to call and I'd leave you messages on your phone and I'll text and and I remember many times you would say either you were in the middle of dinner or it was too late or it's too early or it just wasn't a good time and yeah then I, I
1: actually remember that a lot because you called me a lot like in the months after not just that you know you continuously called and I continuously was not available and yeah. I don't know where I was but I'll Something that did come up, and I'm glad that you brought this up, is that when I would call you or I would answer, I think that you were. I remember distinctly we had this conversation. Like, I would answer, and like, you would tell me about, I don't even know what. Like, we wouldn't talk about the kids. Mm -hmm. You tell me about what's going on with like school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You like, and I remember one time you said to me, like, my goal is to be a bright spot in your day. Do you remember this conversation you had? You're like, Mm -hmm. I want you to come on the Mm -hmm. phone with me, and I want you to feel like, joy and like happiness and i do i don't know if i said that what did i respond at that time i don't remember but i know eventually i said to you like that is not helpful oh (laughs) because i i don't know if i said that to you but i was like i nothing can make me feel joy right now Uh nothing can make me feel lighter nothing can make this any better nothing i just need someone to sit and cry with me Mm -hmm. i don't want anyone to try and make me feel better i just Mm -hmm. want someone to like feel the shit that i feel with me for 10 minutes and again i think that this happens a lot you weren't the only one who like when i would call when i would call it felt like we would talk about anything but the loss because they were scared to step on they were scared to say the wrong thing mm-hmm. um, i actually and did think- want
0: to say like you were saying that judith you were in contact with julia but actually in our interview with julia she was feeling like you guys were not in contact at all
1: well because judith after julia went home after julia at home i didn't talk to her either Rachel, yeah. did you know that
2: um I know that it was also tough for her to get a hold of you sometimes but I but I definitely sense that it was it was easier for you to talk to her than to me and it, it I understand the logic I understand yeah. the logic but at the time it was really hard for me to mm-hmm. yeah. to
1: swallow that I didn't talk to um yeah I had a hard time with with Julia also. And another thing is we had this WhatsApp group of me, you, and Julia. And mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes people, you would post in there or Julia would post in there. And I don't think I ever responded. Because it felt like, again, to me, where I was sitting, it felt like everyone wants to talk about normal life. And I wasn't in normal life. Mm-hmm. I wasn't cooking dinner. I wasn't going out. I didn't do bike rides. I didn't take go to the beach. Like, I, my life was so... Sufferable and just—I don't know—that's the word. It was just so horrific, and it was so not normal that it just felt like I couldn't relate. I mm-hmm. couldn't relate to cooking dinner. I couldn't relate to being on a board. I couldn't relate to sending my kids to school. I couldn't relate to going to synagogue. I couldn't relate to anything. It just felt like your whole life was a whole world that I couldn't participate in anymore. Mm-hmm. And, I, and when I heard about it, I just felt even more alone because I wasn't in it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. I obviously, you know, that my whole life is like surrounding these kids and I felt like I, I couldn't talk to you about that stuff. I couldn't tell you about any of these, anything happening unless you were asking me about it Yeah. and I didn't, because I didn't want to hurt you also. Yeah. So, and I, I kept not knowing if you wanted to talk about light things or heavy things or And, um, and so there's that weekend that you went to the retreat, your husband, uh, emailed me and said, can you send a letter for Judith? It'll be a surprise for her at the retreat. Mm -hmm. And, um, and of course I was, I was happy to write a letter for you. And, and so I wrote a whole letter and then I actually sent it to Julia almost to, to proofread and to see if based on her conversations with you, if she sensed that it would be appropriate for you or if you would respond well to it. And she and I together decided that I needed to change it entirely because it was too upbeat. Because my my thought process behind it was, it was to try to bring you some joy or even some laughter or some, you know, you and I laugh a lot when we're together. Yeah. So I, so I thought maybe I'll bring you know a comedic side to it, but but it ended up, we just decided that it was best if I completely changed it and take out anything happy from it, because that's where, what you were feeling at the time. You just needed someone to be with you where you were, like to meet you where you were feeling. So I completely, I, I even, I had already sent it and emailed it to the woman who organizes the the, um, the getaway, the resort getaway. I'm not sure what it was called. The weekend getaway. The retreat. The retreat. And, and then I sent her another edited email and I said, please don't show Judith the first.
1: <laughs> I'll add, like, I think we should add, like, another thing, which is that you were pregnant at this time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know because um yeah do you want to talk about that I mean you were pregnant
2: yeah so I knew that I was going to be pregnant very soon at the time and I asked you this was months after Aiden had passed already but I asked you when I do get pregnant do you want me to tell you or would you rather not and you said don't tell me until um the baby's born and once the baby's born you can tell me if you need to but even that I think was um, kind of pushing it.
1: <laughs> and how did that, I mean, how did that feel for you? Because this is a baby you really wanted.
2: Yeah. I. And it was a
1: girl, so you were excited about it.
2: Yeah. I was, from my selfish perspective, I was so hurt by that because I felt like you were one of my closest friends. And for something so big to be happening in my life and for you, to not care about or not want to hear about it really hurt. But I also understood that you're, I mean, the perspective that you're coming from. So it's not that I was angry at you. It was the situation that I was upset about, that that I have something so exciting to share that my friend doesn't want to hear it, that the situation is causing my friend to not want to hear it.
1: I think, I mean, I think that's so relatable. I think that so many people... Vitalina, I think so many people are in the exact same situations, whether it be I mean, I lost my son, but I can imagine people who are going through infertility like it's so painful. Pregnant people are so painful. It hurts so much that it's it's horrible. Like it's not I had the same conversation with Julia also like Julia, I did know she was pregnant, but it wasn't good either. Like, I don't. I wasn't supportive to Julia either. I was not around at all. We never cho- we didn't speak about her pregnancy one time. Not not one time. She told me, and then like we never really spoke about it again. And it was her first. Um, so I think like this is just another example of me being like, even with the best of intentions, doing everything I could have, like I really hurt people again. <laughs> this is a common theme here. I really hurt people again. Um, I actually found out that you were pregnant because I was with Julia and her husband. I went there for a night and her husband just like mentioned it very casually. And the entire mood changed. She's like, oh, yeah, Rachel's and Rachel's having her fourth. She's going to be busy. And I I was like, what? And then Julia like was like, uh, and she like kicked Ari under the table. And I was like, oh, and at that point, you were already like 25 weeks pregnant. Like you were like really pregnant at that point, And I just had no idea.
2: That's funny because Julia let me know right after the fact. She's like, "So Judith knows that you're pregnant." Yeah, <laughs> <And> I was <laughs> like, "How did she react? Was she okay?"
1: I don't. Um, I think I. I think I just was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, and I was grateful, honestly, that you hadn't told me because I knew it was hard for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess things I would say we like pretty much stopped talking. Like you had a baby, I did send a gift. Um, I sent a good gift. You did.
2: Uh, And actually you sent, you sent more than, I mean, you sent a feminist shirt gift, which was really cute. Um, and just so you, and (laughs) perfect and made me smile. And then a few months later, you also sent a story, a kid's story to the boys or to the kids. And it was also with the feminist spin on it, but it was just, it was just, um, kind of our lives in a nutshell before you moved just about being proactive and doers, even against the
1: grain and.
2: It I think so that much was the change. first
1: time I did something for you. Like I had thought about you. I think that was the first time in probably over a year when I was like, oh, the, my friend Rachel would really enjoy this. Like it made me think of her and it made me smile. And I think it'll make her smile too. And I think that was like the first thing I did. I mean, you had done so much for me in that time and I did nothing. And, and so that was like the first time I was able to give back. And it, it felt good to me. But I'll just say, I mean, like, we probably didn't talk for, what do you think, like six months, seven months, eight months? Like, we did not talk at all. Does that sound right?
2: I don't remember the timeline, but it did feel like a very long lull. And I I did feel after a certain point of me giving and giving and giving, I did feel like I'm I'm just so done with this. Like, not, not with our friendship, but I'm so done with me feeling like I'm giving my all and just... It's not reciprocated whatsoever. I didn't think you wanted to talk to me because you weren't returning my calls. You weren't returning my texts.
0: And like, that's understandable. Um, of course you would think she doesn't want to
2: talk to you. If you're <laughs> reaching out, you're
0: calling, you're texting, you're emailing, you're sending food, and she's just ignoring you. Grieving yeah. people are such jerks.
1: I don't an understand why. We all get it. But like, it's it must have been so hard. Yeah. And, you know, Alina, I was thinking when she said that, I was thinking about you because from where we sit, we always say to each other, like, I really hope my friends don't give up because I still need them (laughs) to keep giving, even though I know I'm being a piece of shit. It's so hard because it's like I needed so much and I could give so little and I'm still I needed so I you just don't feel good. It doesn't feel good to always be on the receiving end of needing. Mm -hmm. And and then slowly what happens, and I think so many people can relate to this, is that people get tired of giving because it's exhausting to give to someone who doesn't answer your calls. (laughs) Um, And so what happens is you just have fewer and fewer and fewer friends. And then you wake up 18 months later, you look around your life, and you've now lost your child. Your relationship with your spouse might look different. You've lost a lot of friends and you don't and people don't like feel good necessarily about your friendship. And so you basically have this like teeny circle of like the people who are left. It's like you, maybe your parents, maybe, maybe like your siblings, one, maybe your siblings, maybe, and then like one or two friends, and that's it. And that's it. And, and I started out with like this whole world of friendships and people who I loved so much and who meant so much to me and who we did so many beautiful things together and our friendships mattered and were dynamic and interesting and added so much to my life. And a year and a half later, I have no kid, no friends. Like it's really, I, I feel I've done the best I can to restore some of those friendships. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but like that's, the loss is so great because naturally, even with everyone doing the best they can, everyone giving all they can, everyone doing it with the best of intentions, you still end up
0: yeah. with nothing.
1: Alina, and do you feel the same yes, way? Yes.
0: And I think the other thing that I want to just say is that you can't, you also can't possibly predict which friendships are going to be the ones that would fail. Because I think it actually is kind of nonsensical. Like, it doesn't actually make any sense. Like, Judith, you were able to have some relationships with people who still were parents. But like you said, you couldn't be close with your sister. You couldn't be close with Rachel. Like, I don't think that it actually – is, like, a formula where it's, like, oh, I lost yeah. my baby so I can't be friends with people who have babies. Or, like, oh, right. you know, I lost my husband I'm so I can't friends- be friends with married people. Like, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. And it I doesn't make any And sense. even if asked directly why can't I, like, be close with this person for these couple of months, like, I don't think you would have been able to answer that. I
1: don't. I, I don't. And, you know, what's, I think, really unusual is that um, I have a friend that lives in St. Louis that I am friends with who has seven children. <laughs> so, I mean, Rachel has four, but this friend has seven. And <laughs> I think it it makes no sense. It's not... And she also was pregnant. It makes no yeah. sense at all. It is not rational. Yeah. And it's not intentional. And Talia certainly did a lot less for me while I was in pain <laughs> than Rachel did, who was calling Amazon. Like, I, you know, I... And yet I could be friends with Talia, even though she was inherently less of a good friend to start with and did less for me during my time of need and has seven children. And I couldn't be friends with Rachel, even though Rachel did everything right. She loved me so much. She had only like she was a closer friend to begin with. It's not rational and it doesn't make any sense at all. And I would hate if Rachel walked away thinking that it was her because it has nothing to do with her. I don't understand yeah. it myself. I don't know why one pregnancy was triggering and another pregnancy was not. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How, does that, do. how does that feel to hear, Rachel? Yeah, is how does that, does that, that make feel better or worse? I, feel like probably make, I don't know if that makes it better or <laughs> you know, worse. That actually
2: means a lot to me. That means a lot. Also because I haven't heard you say this at all.
1: Yeah.
2: So hearing it and talking this through is actually very helpful.
1: I'm I'm really I'm happy to hear that because I feel like it's um I feel like it feels good to me like it feels good to hear I, all the things that you said I'm not surprised to hear I knew this was going on but um I think that the one of the steps to repairing friendships is like having a conversation like this where we can both acknowledge that we were doing the best we can you know mm-hmm. and that there was nothing no one did wrong you didn't say anything. That really hurt me. I didn't, you know, no one said anything. You did nothing wrong. I just couldn't. And now maybe I can mm-hmm. I can't explain it any way better than that. The other thing I'll say, I also like, you know, I want to make sure we touch on where we are now. So like, Rachel, where would you say we are now in our friendship? How would you describe it?
2: So when you came to visit a few weeks ago... That was the best, by the way. Love seeing you for those few hours. Um, were was you surprised so, that I had reached out to you? I, I was shocked that you were coming in town, but I literally was jumping for joy that I would get to see you. And I was nervous, too, because it would have been the first time that I would see you since Eden passed away. <clears throat> um, but you did have another baby since then. So it felt like it was a little bit more of a safe space than it would have been had I seen you before your baby was born. So, but when you came, it felt like nothing had changed. Like you were the same old Judith and it was so nice. It was so nice to be able to talk to you and to laugh with you. And, you know, just the way that you care about certain things that I care about and that you just bring out, you know, the goofiness in me and,
1: Were you uh, surprised? I mean, you said that you felt like I was the same. First of all, do you feel I'm different or do you feel the same? And second of all, were you surprised that I was the same being that I disappeared for so long and that I didn't seem like upset at you or anything like we were able to pick up where we left off?
2: That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I knew what to expect. I don't know if I had any expectations because I just... Maybe I thought to myself, okay, this this could go either one way or another. But it just continued. It, it almost felt like we were picking off where we were in the past. But the only thing was I felt like I did have to be very careful with what I was saying. And until today, I feel like I have to be very careful because I'm just so nervous to accidentally say something that could hurt you. And I don't want to be the one to cause you more pain mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you've been through enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you did come... I I didn't know if, if it was good that you would see my kids. I didn't know. I didn't know what would be triggering for you. And I, until today, I, I don't know if I should be telling you about what the kids are up to. I don't, so I feel like I always need to wait for your almost invitation or questions and for you to ask about the kids, because if you don't ask about them, I don't want to bring them up. I don't want to talk about Kids, I don't want to talk about babies unless you want to. I don't want, you know, like I, that aspect I need to be very careful about. And I remember I had said some sort of phrase when you came over and we were talking with my husband too, and we were all sitting around the bonfire. I remember I I said some sort of, oh, I think I said the phrase I'm dying, you know, just a sarcastic comment about something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought to myself, why did I just say that? I was I was kicking myself for mentioning the word death because I, I felt like I you know, that's so insensitive of me to mention and to even just use that as a sarcastic comment next to you. Okay.
0: Judith and did I, you pick I, up on when she said that? Not at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not at all. But I do feel like that was an interesting night because I know I spoke about Aiden. and I actually I mean like I think that's one thing that's interesting is that Rachel, I feel like you knew Aiden because you knew me when I was pregnant with him. Mm-hmm. I, we spent time together when I was pregnant. You saw me pregnant with him. Um, we had a baby shower. We, yeah, Rachel made me the most beautiful baby shower, and I use the blocks with my daughter that we made all the time and I read this I read her the story that they wrote. Um, and so it felt like you knew him in a way that some people who, some people never got to know him. And I felt like I always wonder, like, I mean, talking about saying things, do you feel like you can't talk about him? Or do you feel like you can't talk about him? Do you feel like you want to talk about him? Do you not want to talk about him? Like, you know, I know that I'm more curious about that than I, that's what I'll more likely notice than if you say I'm dying. I probably
2: say I'm dying too. <laughs> um, do I feel like I can talk about him with yeah. you? Yes. I, I think I can now because I, I feel like you're you're always very open to talking about Aiden. And I think you really like when people talk about Aiden. Yeah. I think that in the beginning and in the middle, I just didn't know. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about him or not. And, and because of that, I just didn't talk about him much. I just tried to talk about anything but kids. I just tried to redirect your mind to other places with hopes that maybe, maybe I would improve your mood that day, even though I think you just wanted to mourn. You wanted to be in that state of mourning to really comprehend what was going on. And, and I think that I was coming from a perspective of wanting to brighten your day and help you take a step forward. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think everything you're describing makes so much sense to me. And I know we only have a couple minutes left, but I just want to say again that I'm sorry that I hurt you and that I appreciate everything that you did for me and I appreciate you trying so hard. And I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate you sending me the Airbnb gift card, I used it in Hawaii and it actually was like the most perfect gift. And I wear the necklace you gave me all the time and the album you put together is in my living room. And um, even though I didn't say it at the time, those things really mattered and those things made me feel loved and cared for. And you guys did it right. Even though I know you were wondering, like, what we doing with That was all right. All those things that you did, those gifts you gave me were right and you did a really good job supporting me and I'm sorry that I couldn't do a better job articulating that at the time but I know that that's something that weighed on your mind and so I just want you to know how much I appreciate it
2: thank you so much it's so validating and, and great to hear your perspective and what you were going through and just to hear that from you because it's it's just refreshing it's refreshing to hear that
0: I think Thank that so much. I think that these episodes are going to be really I think people are going to really see their themselves and their relationships in these episodes, because I think this is all so common and it is so painful for everyone yeah. involved. The loss has so many facets, and this is one that is painful for so many people.
2: Can I ask you a question, Judith? Was there anything after Eden passed away? Was was there anything I should have done differently? Thinking back, like if no knowing that you didn't want to speak with me, yeah, was it a good thing that I kept persisting, or should I have given you space? What?
1: Yeah, I think it was really good that you kept persisting because it made me know that you were thinking about me and you cared. I was never going to answer the phone, so it didn't matter what time, of day you called. I was not going to answer the phone. I didn't want to talk to anyone, but I knew that you called, and that meant a lot. And mm-hmm. I would say the only thing that I think could have been done differently, and the, there was no way to know this mm-hmm. at the time, but um, I think there's this piece of like carrying the loss with me, remembering mm-hmm. Aiden with me, like all the things that you do in memory of him him, like share with me, because those are things that I treasure. And it makes me feel like I'm not grieving him alone. And knowing that other people are grieving him too feels really good. So it's not like, it's not just about taking care of me, which he did so beautifully, but also helping me grieve his loss and remembering him and loving him and talking about him to your children, talking about him with your family you know, the, the nursing room, having it in his name, like all those little things of just remembering him, loving him, honoring him. That also really helps too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think these are the, one of those things that it's impossible to know because we're 30 and this has never happened before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So how would anyone have known? Right. Right. Yeah. And Judith, you say all the time, like, if this happened to somebody
0: else, like, you, like, we say, like, yeah. oh, maybe we would be better at it. But, like, you, you listened to our own episode where we talked about what to say to a grieving person before you went to sit Shiva with someone else. Like, yeah, I, I don't think I would be very good at it. I don't, I don't,
1: I don't think I would have been good at it. I really don't. I think I would have shown up, like, just like you and Julia were there. I think I would have done that. I would have. But I think the, like, ongoing calling, I I think I would have done the exact same thing, Rachel. I think I would have been like, she doesn't want to talk to me, and I wouldn't, at some point, I probably would have stopped. Mm -hmm. I would have been good, and then I would have stopped. Because we're human, and it hurts Mm -hmm. to give and not get back, and not get any validation, and not even get a thank you, and not even get, like, I received it, it means something to me. Just to, like, call and call and call, and text and text, and get nothing... I'm feel good. Mm-hmm.
2: But I'm getting it now. I'm getting the <laughs> validation now.
1: Very belated. <laughs> Very belated. <laughs> to all of our wonderful new friends, we want to hear from you. Email us at as long as I'm at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at aslongasimlivingpodcast. podcast. We'll get back to you as soon as our grieving brains allow. Yay!